0: My name is DeAndre Sinet, and I'm your host for a Distinct Lens (laughs) podcast. Thank you, everyone, for joining us again. Uh, I have a special guest with us here today. Um, Could you introduce yourself? Give us your name, uh, how old you are, and where you're from.
1: My name is Jane, 28, from Peterborough.
0: Peterborough, okay. In Peterborough, UK? Yes. Okay.
1: And Zambian by heritage.
0: And Zambian by heritage. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. Is that where you were born?
1: Yes, I was born in Zambia. I moved to the UK, uh, Glasgow in Scotland to be specific, when I was um, 10. Mm-hmm. Did all my schooling over that side. And then moved to England when I was about 17. So I'm a professional nomad.
0: Wow. Um Moved to the UK when you were 17, that had to be like a... Serious undertaking uh, Well, moved to England, I'm yeah. sorry, when you were 17.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I moved out of the house when I was 17. And I just moved four hours away to a city called Houston from Fort Worth. You moved to a completely different country. What was that like?
1: Um, it was exciting. So, obviously, I had my mom around. Um, it was difficult when I moved to the UK from Africa. Africa. I was a bit young, I was only 10, so it was a whole different sort of culture, Mm -hmm. Um, just different environment, it was really, really difficult, but moving to England from Scotland, it was alright, it wasn't too bad, you know, I had a better sort of understanding of things, how things work in the UK, it was just a different country altogether, if that makes sense, but still within, still the same.
0: Okay, so let me make sure I got this correct. You were born in Zambia? Mm-hmm. Okay, and then you moved to Scotland mm-hmm. when you were 10? Yes. Okay, and then you lived there until you were 17, and then you moved to England. Right. Ah, okay, yeah. gotcha.
1: Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So there's obviously just same country, just different sort of regions, if that makes sense. Okay. Only the accent is slightly different, but other than that, everything else is the same, so was comfortable.
0: Okay, okay.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And during that professional nomadic life that you grew up in, um, who, who, who raised you? My mom. Okay.
1: Yeah, so um, I've been with um, a single parent, only my mom and my brother. So it's just been a small family. Uh, yeah.
0: So just you three, basically.
1: hmm Okay. So it's been relatively easy, for that makes sense.
0: Okay, I was just about to ask what was life like growing up um, with you and your brother and your mom
1: it was fun let me just say that it was fun Hmm. but it was obviously because we're a small family, quite close knit because we're obviously just the three of us Um, but it did obviously present its own challenges in a way but um, we got through it. We got through it as a family. So yeah.
0: So when you say it presented its own challenges, what do you, what do you mean?
1: Um, obviously growing up with a single parent, um, so we did experience some financial struggles. Mm. Um, I'll give you an example. So coming moving from Africa to the UK, um, it was fine for the most part. My mum worked so. We only had her income both my brother and I when working were students mm-hmm. um when my brother graduated so when he finished high school he then applied to uni very smart guy um, but wasn't able to get well, not he wasn't able to get in but we couldn't finance it we couldn't afford it my no. mom couldn't afford it and at the time we didn't have the UK state like the British citizenship mm-hmm. so it meant my mom paying international fees for him um, and he missed out on that opportunity just because we couldn't afford it wow yeah okay so he's never been to uni and he's the smartest among the two of us he's blindfolded smart I have to study extra
0: <laughs> but him he just gets it
1: Here he gets it yeah it. you know it's just one of those who like it's just blind, like literally so smart um it doesn't even have to try like you know I remember my mom would be literally Crying herself to sleep sometimes and just begging him to sleep when he's got an exam at 9 a.m. And he'll be playing chess on, on the laptops till like 5 a.m. When he's got an exam and he'll still get like, it would S it and it would just beat everyone in school. Is that smart. Wow. You know? Yeah. And um, so it's really a big shame that he's never been to uni.
0: Okay. Um, so I want to ask, I know you said it was single parent household. It was you, your brother, and your mother. Um. What What was your dad, if you don't mind me asking?
1: Mm-hmm. Um. So dad passed away when I was seven. Hmm. Yeah. So since then it's just been me and mom. Ah. I'm a brother.
0: So, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um. So like you said, you're you're growing growing up. It was fun. There was some financial struggles because it was a single parent household. Uh, what did your mom do? When
1: you were growing up, um. So she is a nurse. She works as a nurse. Ah,
0: okay. Yeah,
1: and obviously that's the reason that we uh, were afforded to move to the UK. So they were recruiting for nurses ah. uh, because obviously there's a shortage of, you know, um, those sort of roles in the UK. So at the time they were looking for nurses and they recruited from abroad. Mm-hmm. So she moved, yeah, back then, and then she initially moved by herself and then I remained with my mom's sister, so my young, my aunt. Mm-hmm. Um, I lived with her for about a year mm-hmm. and, uh, joined my mom a bit later, like a, a year after she came and got my brother and I.
0: Now, when she relocated for work, did the, did the company take care of all of it? Um,
1: no, so they, from what I know, So, obviously, they just offer you a role, so they offer you the position, and then you have to sort everything from from there on, so how you get to the UK is up to you, but once you get in the UK, they'll accommodate you for a period of time, Hmm. and then you have to look for your own accommodation thereafter, so they'll give you maybe three months or so Uh, in shared accommodation, and then you can pick yourself up from there on and find your, you know, get on your own feet.
0: Okay. Okay. Uh, so I want to change gears a bit. Obviously, this is a Distinct Lens podcast. It's a platform for the black diaspora to share their experiences so we can learn more about financial intelligence to empower us to practice uh, group <laughs> economics, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to ask, the education system. Obviously, uh, you lived in Zambia. You lived in Scotland. Now you currently live in England. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you feel like the education system that you've went through in your formative years and even in some of your early adult years, do you feel that prepared you to handle money, handle finances well?
1: No, not really at all, if I have to think about it. I think um, it doesn't. It's got obviously maybe principles of it, like certain subjects that you would choose and you sort of learn how to calculate maths for example accounting and things like that but it doesn't actually prepare you for real life if that makes sense so um, it doesn't prepare you in terms of how you're supposed to budget your own finances you know you can calculate this is how much I've got in my account I mean the account does that for you you know it can show you how much you've got but it doesn't help you in terms of where to place your finance and how to make smart decisions with your money mm. or invest in certain things That I just don't feel like it prepares you for that it's something that one has to look for like you have to seek it if that makes sense you have mm. to actively do something to learn about it but school doesn't prepare you for that
0: and that was your experience when you were in Zambia and in Scotland and the UK.
1: Yeah, my I was very young in Zambia. So it was just part primary school that I went through.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: then uh, when I came to the UK, yeah, so Scotland didn't prepare me for that. Not even uni prepared me for that. I don't think it did.
0: Uh, um, and when you say uni, you're talking about university. where well, You got it, degree. Right. So, well, what do you have your degree in?
1: Human Resources Management.
0: Ah, okay. So, you have a professional degree, you've gone to school, and you still don't feel like even that university experience prepared you to handle finances. No. In the real world? No. Okay. It's interesting. Um. So, I, I, there's a good segue to the next question that I have. Do you feel that financial intelligence, financial literacy is important? in our communities so and when i say our communities i'm talking about uh black communities is it important yes yeah why i,
1: I think a lot of us just don't don't simply know how we don't know how to like manage our finances and i'll tell you maybe it's just maybe the group of people that i've grown around with and Mm -hmm. i talk about majority of them have been black Mm -hmm. um and i also think this is due to lack of education within that subject Mm -hmm. um i and i speak this predominantly because I don't know, actually. Well, let me think about this. So, the people that I've gone around with, yeah? So, black people, particularly. Um, I think, like, those who've got money or those that... Yeah, those who've got money don't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. They spend it on irrelevant things, mm-hmm. personally, I think. Um, and those who do... They want to show that they've got money do you know what i mean so they yeah. spend it on things that they waste it they don't spend it on things say to um build for their future necessarily mm. and if they are mm. then a i don't know about it and see i can't even see the results of it and i talk about it like from the time that i was a bit younger to the point where i am now mm. there have been people that have been you know financially in good positions or better positions than I've been in and when I've grown up you almost yeah they've got nothing to show for you you almost catch up if that makes sense you catch up with them Mm. when there's you know some of them have been privileged enough to be in that sort of position that I feel like they should have used that opportunity to invest in certain things you know or just um use their money a lot wiser and they've just splashed it because they want to show off you know or they want to live a lavish life it's very short-sighted it's not for like longer term. it's not preparing them or you know their families for the future you know Mm -hmm. so i do think that a bit of education in that sort of area would benefit a lot of people particularly the black you know, say, for example, like, it's taking my friends and I a while, a lot of hard work and sweat to, like, get on a property ladder. whereas Get
0: on a proper...
1: Property ladder.
0: What is, what is that? So,
1: like, you know, just to buy a house, for example. Ah. Uh. Yeah. Um, whereas some of my white friends, um, they go on the property ladder a lot.
0: What do, you, what do you call that? Property ladder? Property ladder. Property ladder?
1: Yeah.
0: Ah. Oh, property ladder. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay.
1: It's fine. Um, yeah, so they got on a property ladder um, earlier than us.
0: Uh, and you think that's directly related to the lack of financial literacy the lack of information in our communities
1: yeah absolutely like say for example like my friends like my white friends they you know um they knew where to spend their money Mm. do you know what i mean like whereas for us we're not even thinking about investing our money in such in such ways Mm. you know what i mean um all my friends do or did it was just you know, we wanna go out, wanna party, wanna buy cars and you know, wanna spend it on flashy things. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not things that necessarily will help you bring that money back if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um and um and I think some of us just simply didn't know where to spend our money on or how to invest it. Whereas my white friends they they knew because you know their families knew better if that makes sense also so for example like i'll give you another example my mom um like getting on just like buying a house and things like that it took us a lot longer because whenever she sort of asked for assistance or not and i don't mean financial assistance, just like advice mm-hmm. you know and um how to get there how like you know how to sort of get a mortgage uh, and things like that the black people that knew or how to or where to go they were holding that information to themselves mm. they weren't willing to share you know what i mean mm. um or how they did it they just said you know just pray to god and god will answer your prayers you know that's what it is yeah yeah we're not willing to like you know to share the knowledge we want to keep it to ourselves, whereas the white people are, you know, they'll talk to you about different resources available and how to go on about it and, and so forth. Um,
0: so I want to ask, because you have this awareness and you, it seems like you see a more holistic view of the pictures, you have these different perspectives from black people, from white people... How has that affected how you handle money now?
1: Um... Obviously it has it has affected me in a way because I try as much as possible to be smart with my money, you know but I've never really sought like, like an educational like, um help in that in that aspect Mm. i just um i just use my life experiences you know to sort of help me to make better financial decisions for me Mm. that works for me but at the same time without depriving myself from enjoying myself in the moment you know a lot of people tend to just say for example they think Personally, I think they think that being financially smart is, you know, when you do get some sort of income or money coming in, you just you just save to a point where you... you accumulate a certain amount of money in mm-hmm. your account before you start doing certain things, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I try... Obviously, saving is a big part, but I try to enjoy the now too because it's also a big part, mm-hmm. but also in... Not just save, but look at various ways you can, you can sort of invest Invest your money. And make
0: your money make money. And make money. your
1: money make money. Yeah. Okay. You know. Um, yeah.
0: So do you have any investments right now?
1: Any what, sorry?
0: Investments.
1: Not particularly, to be fair. I do own a, a house. Which I think is an investment for me. It is
0: an investment. (laughs) Actually, that's one of the cruxes of building wealth. Yeah. Is home ownership. So, yes, that's a big investment. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, it is. And I think, you know, that's a good... Yeah, it's a good way of investing your money because you're not losing it, making more money on your on your money. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, as soon as you invest it. So it's not like, you know, buying a house where but buying a car as soon as you buy it start depreciating oh. you know in value. A house is the opposite, I think, anyway, depending with <laughs>
0: Where you buy it.
1: The, yeah, where, where you buy in the economic economic situation of things. Um, but also like, you know, it doesn't have to be a big thing like in, like like buying a house for example, you know, I come up with different ways of like you know how we can help each other, because, right. like said, I think before I'm just looking at my mom's struggle, it sort of like just made me think a bit extra hard in terms of how how can I help myself get in a situation where um I'm I'm able to afford myself certain things, you know, where I don't necessarily have to go and you know ask for loans or can't even afford to get. A loan from the bank mm. or get some overdraft from the bank because my finances are not that good or my credit score isn't that great so what we do with like my friends mm. sometimes is you know we we rotate so i've got like four friends of mine that you know it doesn't have to be like a big thing mm. like a big money so what we do is we rotate within ourselves so like say for example uh me you and another person mm. so i'll each month will give you money, you know. So if you say £100, for example, mm. inject that £100 in you so you can use it, you can decide how you use it. And the next month, you'll be another person.
0: Uh, so if it's three of us, we'll say, okay, two people are going to give that one person £100 Pound. each, so it mm. will be £200. So mm. £200 to me, and I decide whatever I want to do with it, mm. or do I have to invest it?
1: No, you decide how you want to use it. Ah. so you know if it's clearing and it you're,
0: continues to rotate
1: yeah it continues to rotate so it's giving you know you t- so for example if you've got like overdrafting your um uh, like an overdraft from the bank mm-hmm. the bank will be charging you how you know that overdraft from the moment that you use it they'll be charging you interest yeah. right one day yeah. so you're actually gaining you know you're losing money per day because the money that you have to pay back is a lot more than you actually um took out
0: yeah right yeah so
1: with your friends it's like interest-free really you only have to pay them back what you
0: you know i love that you bring that up that is speaking directly to group economics that is you and a group of your friends who have decided hey let's level up financially and let's support one another and we do this on a rotating basis by mm-hmm. injecting these funds to the different individuals within your group yeah. I think that's super smart and then they get to decide how they want to use those funds and hopefully they use them responsibly
1: well that's the idea <laughs> yeah
0: but I, I, I love the idea behind it because it is a lot cheaper than going through the bank it is a lot more effective mm-hmm. going to people that you already know and it's going to enrich your circle mm-hmm. in, in in inevitably because you're still using money with in that circle within that group i think that's wonderful that's a that's a great idea um i think more people should should do things like that with those that they trust because obviously there has to be a certain level of trust between mm-hmm. those people that you're doing that with yeah that's really interesting is is there a name for that
1: not really no we just came up with it and the only thing that you have to pay back is the hundred pound to the next person right makes sense. so you don't paying back the two hundred pounds. So if I give you a hundred, Sylvia so gives you a hundred, uh-huh. Jessica gives you a hundred. The next time you're gonna give back, we're only going to give back that individual a hundred. You you only going to give that individual a hundred. So we, and I'll have to do the same for that person. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. you're getting more, but you're only giving back less. That makes sense. Does that make sense? That makes so it gives you sense. more money to do whatever you want to do. If it's you know getting their 500 pound and then put it on it, you know as a deposit to buy whatever you want to buy Mm. that gives you that for that month
0: okay and how, how long have you been doing that?
1: I can't remember how long I've been doing it maybe for like maybe roughly about two years or so
0: and is it always a hundred pounds or is it less? Is it more sometimes?
1: Oh no, so you decide what we are able to do, what you're able to afford as a group, mm-hmm. you know. So you can do more than a hundred pounds. I just give that as an example.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Right, yeah.
0: So how much do you and your group normally do?
1: Um, like 150 uh-huh. to that person. Yeah, it's not much but it just helps that person. A uh, yeah, it makes a difference yeah and if you've got like a larger group it's just because my circle is small to be fair (laughs) so yeah Uh, but at the same time you don't want you know it's something that you as a group are able to afford Uh, so that you don't give yourself financial pressure you know after you give that back you inject it in the the individual
0: yeah ah I, i love that i love that um you know I'm just thinking I always think big yeah. I'm like What if we were able To practice that In different continents I'm talking about Black people in the UK Black people in the United States Black people in Africa uh-huh. Like what if we practice that On a global scale
1: It will be quite good actually But I think like You know it would be really good um, It will benefit a lot of people To be honest with you I think Particularly those pe- people in Africa But the only thing I would think Is Would it been would it be beneficial for them because they'll be losing a lot more money especially if you combine like people in Africa maybe people in like America and the UK uh-huh. but I can't imagine doing it with my friends I mean my friends are doing well really mm-hmm. well in Africa like in Zambia let me just say my friends in Zambia they're doing really well mm-hmm. but if I was to lend them money the amount of money they have to give me back is a lot more than what well,
0: I because you know, of
1: the rate they have to send it the, back the
0: cost of living and Okay, that makes sense.
1: Yeah. So if I send them money, there'll be a lot more money in the African currency, in the Zambian currency.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So if I send them, say for example, if I send them...
0: A hundred pounds. A
1: hundred pounds. They'll get whatever, a hundred pounds, say like they get a thousand or something, whatever the money is. But when they're sending me back, they're not going to send me back a thousand pounds exactly. They're going to send me 150 because of the,
0: um, the currency, the exchange
1: currency rate. exchange rate. Yeah. So, for them, they're losing.
0: That's Ah, the only side part. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. That just gave me an idea. Because the convention is
1: different. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, So, I want to change gears a little bit. Um, So, I don't know if you're aware or not, but protests were sparked back in March, April of this year in the United States. And it was triggered by the public murder of a guy named George Floyd.
1: Oh, you look good. Sorry. You just sound so sexy.
0: (laughs) And so, um, it turned into a global protest when that happened. And so, I just wanted to get your take on it as a black woman in the UK because um, I know protests happen here as well I know they happen in a bunch of European countries I know they were protesting in Africa as well as well mm. um, have, had you seen the video have you heard about it Judge Floyd yes yeah did I have.
1: You,
0: did you see the video
1: um yeah snippets of it
0: what did, what what crossed your mind like what did you think when you saw it
1: I wanted to murder the police that knelt on his bloody neck was my first
0: thought.
1: I know. Um, it it was a very disturbing video. Um, but then I didn't see the full video. Mm -hmm. But I think regardless, um it wasn't armed, you know. It wasn't um I felt like it was quite vulnerable and there was there was no need for it. There was no need for it to go as fast as it did. Mm -hmm. You know. Uh, they could have handcuffed him and got him in a car quite safely. You know, why did they have to prolong it for him to kneel on his bloody neck for that long and take his life? Essentially, so yeah, it was sad.
0: Okay. And the reason I ask that is because this is something that's been going on in the news. It's one of, a part of the a recent string of stories that have really taken a, a, a center stage in the United States. Uh, less so on a global scale, but uh, there was also another recent shooting in the United. Well, another I don't say another shooting, but another instance of police brutality. Mm-hmm. There was a black man getting. Uh, he was actually breaking up a fight between two women. Okay. And he was getting back in the car, where his children were,
1: mm-hmm. and the
0: police shot him in the back seven times.
1: Yeah, I heard that as well.
0: What do you, What do you think when you hear stories like that?
1: i think it's just hard for for me to imagine to be honest because it's not something that we necessarily experience Mm -hmm. in the uk you know um it's not it's not as bad we don't get shot i think that's the difference you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. i think our lives are not taken like they're easily taken in america Mm -hmm. for the black people um that leave there but like um I can't I can't see it happening in the UK. We do experience as black people we do experience a lot of injustices but it's not as bad as taking not to that
0: degree. Not
1: to that degree, not taking somebody's life, you know. I think that's just the worst form, if you ask me, because you know, the knock effect, you're affecting that person's family. You know how they and view community. life, the community. Yeah. yeah, we, yeah, you know, it could have been handcuffed, like said. It could have been taken to prison. It, you know, we could have gone through the whole court system, the whole court process. Mm-hmm. It just didn't need. It could have been alive. We just didn't need. It was unnecessary. It was uncalled for, and um, I'm not sure. I want to say maybe like. Um, I'm not sure what has been done. To be honest with you, I've I'm, I've not been following the actual um, not not necessarily the protests, but I don't know what's what's happened to the police that um, that shot him. So I don't know what what has happened to him. I want to say that maybe in the UK, some you know it could have taken a different turn, a different route for the police. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure. It could have. I'm not sure it would have.
0: Mm. Yeah. Know? And by the way, his name is Jacob Blake the police like, no the guy that was shot oh, the, yeah. seven times in the back Yeah. Um, and this was in Kenosha Wisconsin um, mm. I want to ask like you mentioned the injustices that black people experience in the UK have you ever experienced any racial injustice in your in your experience here while you were in Scotland while you were in England or even in your profession you work in HR
1: yes oh yeah definitely um but I'm just trying to compare it to like what maybe I see or hear of like that happened in America if it actually compares you know um so the kind of like racial experiences in Scotland say I remember one time I was in a biology class and the teacher was teaching us about um melanin mm. you know um, and that's was,
0: the the substance that, that gives us our pigment of our pigments, course our blackness
1: understand. okay yes um yeah so she was teaching us about that and um uh, mind you so let, just to give you a bit of background so in Scotland there weren't many black people at the time that I like I was in Scotland mm. I moved to Scotland we literally all the black people knew each other mm. okay like we knew each other, we knew where to find each other, that type of thing, Mm. you know, so there weren't, there weren't many at all, you Mm. could count, like, you could count us, in school, you could count us, like, like, on probably, two two hands, two hands or something, yeah, um, so we went a lot, so obviously, like, the white people started, I don't know if they had to, because obviously, they've been black people for, so many years you know in Scotland but um for me it was weird because when I was in Africa when you see a white person like we we get excited because the mm. majority are blacks when you get you want to know about them you want to know about the white person you um. want to know how they sound you know what I mean like we give them that sort of pedestal to make them feel good and appreciated and stuff like that and, and, oh that's nice you know yeah It is But when I came To the UK I was expecting The same thing So almost like A reverse thing So I expected them To get a bit more Excited about me
0: You Uh. know To
1: like Yeah Because I was the only Black person in my area Mm. Okay So I was Expecting them To be To be Yeah To be interested To know about me To know about my culture Mm. You know How we do things And so forth But it was totally opposite Um I was I was yeah, I experienced a bit of resentment, you know. They didn't really want to associate with me because I sounded very different from them. I had an accent, which I do now. Um, I did things very differently from them, you know what I mean? And uh, <laughs> I thought, like, just the ways of getting by was different. Mm-hmm. And um, they didn't really give me so much help. You know what I mean? They pointed out the difference between me and them. So uh, I was made to feel very black, you know.
0: Uh, very different. So you didn't feel welcomed, you sound it sounds like you were made to feel like an outsider.
1: I was an outsider because I just didn't fit in. I didn't sound like them and they didn't they made fun of me, for example. They you know, um yeah. They just said, Well, if I can't hear you then how are you supposed to communicate? So don't talk to me, that type of thing. You know, for me that's the kind of thing that stood out so um just going back to the story i was going to give you so we're about very few people in my school uh in biology class i was with this one guy and we sat at the back and then the teacher was um was obviously teaching us about melanin the pigmentation that gives us color um and then um she was just talking about like melanin is this that gives us colour. Um, So if you look at black people, black people have got more melanin than white people. For example, look at Jen and you know, then the guy. His name was David. So look at Jen and David.
0: And you were the two black students in the class.
1: Yeah, and we sat at the back, and the entire class would literally like turn and <gasps> make that kind of noise oh, really? and then sit back. Yeah, but then I was like, obviously. I had been in Scotland a bit longer Mm. and I could, I just didn't like it. I was very, like, um... Yeah, I think that would make anybody
0: uncomfortable.
1: Yeah, I was very uncomfortable and quite talkative and I was unafraid to speak up, you know. Um, So I was just like there, very young me, with a bit of an attitude, thinking, what are you looking at? Have you not seen me (laughs) (laughs) turn (laughs) back? Right. You know, like... That you're not know black, you're already not black. So why are you looking at This isn't me? your first
0: time seeing me.
1: Yeah, you know, um. But they made it very obvious that you are black, and there was so much focus not on what we were learning, mm-hmm. but the fact that I was black. If that makes sense, so like, oh, this is what makes you black. You know, they're very different from us. So if you mm-hmm. look at them, they're different from you and I because they've got more of melanin than you do. You know, and um, it's. In a way, it's stuck. To be honest with you, so if you ask me what gives me colour I'll tell you, my melanin is on hundred. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, things like that I'll experience. Uh, my brother, dated like a white woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, a lot at the time when he started dating white women, a lot, and I mean a lot of black boys were killed in 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 Scotland. Really. Yeah, because of it. Um,
0: wow! I didn't know
1: that. Yeah, so we're very like so at the start we're very scared for him, obviously. Mm-hmm. So like going out, say um, he was young anyway. Going out, my mom won't sleep. My mom would worry, you know, not just because he's gone out like parents do, but it will work. She'll worry because he was black and he's going out with these white girls. Mm-hmm. Um. And we just didn't, are you going to come? Are you going to make it? Are you going to come home, you know? And um, the white guys just didn't like you. you know? And funny enough, the white women loved the black guys, you know? Hmm. Um, but, and it was very, yeah, it was very, not rare. It was, it was not as rare to see a black man with a white woman, but it was rare the other way around.
0: To see a black woman with a white man. Yeah,
1: still is um but a lot of black boys were killed because they were dating white people you know what i mean hmm. so um and uh when my brother started dating is um yeah he was dating the white girls and so forth um you know when you go in a shop mm-hmm. he probably won't get saved the white girl will get saved so he had to just know to send the white girl to buy them food
0: what? so
1: that they can eat together type yeah so those kind of things you would experience um yeah those are the kind of experiences i have really But what listen. about
0: in your professional life?
1: um professional life <laughs> um there's a lot that i experience even working in hr sometimes you think you know um, about equality and inclusion and all this but sometimes it's not the case um I, well, there's a couple examples I could give. So, I personally feel like, in fact, I've only ever worked for a company where there's literally just like one black person in a senior team. Like I've never ever worked for a company where you'll find more like a diverse in terms of race
0: and when you say senior teams are you talking about executive level and up like ceos board members those type of individuals or
1: even like business partners and above
0: Uh, so like director level yeah yeah,
1: director director level yeah. yeah you know management level there isn't law you know at all i think the only one time i did um there was I was reporting to this black lady really good and you know really respected but it didn't last long because they just didn't like a black woman
0: in that kind of role
1: in that kind of a role you know working with senior white males Mm. you know um she was undervalued we were undervalued um and they just didn't they just didn't give her credit you know for what she was doing things like that we do experience um they think even like from the ear from the hr perspective you get more um people issues um from the senior management team like such but not so much with people in the junior positions. so i'm talking about maybe um, entry level rows, Mm -hmm. uh, receptionists, the janitors, the receptionists, and things like that Mm -hmm. they'll let you be in your role perfectly fine and they'll smile at you you know but Uh, the higher up you go the more more issues yeah you'll be scrutinized about what you do, how you do things, how you dress, how you come to to work you know your hair as a woman you know if you have like you know braids for example uh, quite I have been questioned myself, you know, but is this appropriate,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: um, yeah, things like that are the kind of racial experiences I've witnessed. So or been I want
0: to tie all this in, your personal experiences from when you were younger, um, what you were describing with you and your mom growing up, the financial struggles, what you were describing, your brother's experience recently. We were talking about the current events and what happened in America and how you don't feel like that that pales in comparison to the injustices black people experience here and in your own experiences in your personal and professional life. Um, do you think that being more financially literate as a community, as a group, as a people would prevent some of those things?
1: I'm not sure if it would actually prevent some of those things in its entirety you mm-hmm. know you know what i mean but uh it would definitely help you know i think um a to start off with i just want to see like a lot more black or africans in a position where they don't really even have to work for somebody mm. where they make what you know what i mean where they're creating opportunities for other people themselves mm-hmm. um I'd love to see more of that because I think that would just give us a bit more not just respect a bit more of a competitive age in comparison to other like to just the business world uh, we'll be much more respected in the sense that um, I think we're a smart bunch we just don't know how to utilize some of our like skills and experiences mm-hmm. for to our benefit do you know what I mean? yes um but given the opportunity i think we we'll, like we're excellent you know um and we don't even have to like experience some of these things we experience if it was our own say business if it was our own if we're working for ourselves do you mm-hmm. know what i mean because like we would set a bar for how we want to be Treated and respected. Mm. And, you know what I mean? In a company, yes, you would say, "Oh, I, I can't stand to be res- to be treated A, B, C, D or such a way. Mm. But then at the end of the day, you'll have to learn to cope with it because you've got no other choice but to be in that position because you have to pay the bills
0: because
1: mm. that's what's paying the bills. Do you know what I mean? That's mm. your bosses and stuff and you're not in a position where you're... A lot of people, a lot of black people are not in positions where they can influence or make those types of decisions, if that makes sense.
0: Because they're not at those senior-level senior. decision-making positions. Right,
1: yeah. You know, we're not given those opportunities. So I think if we're like, um, which I love now, I think people are doing it a bit more. I'm not sure if it's just because of the protests or the whatever caused it. People are now wanting to spend a lot of their money within the black-owned businesses, you know you know mm-hmm. what I mean mm-hmm. they want they're thinking of how they can make um extra income other than just work like some of my friends have come up with businesses mm-hmm. um and that's great because then you know if you wanna extend that if you want to um employ people you can do that you can mm-hmm. set your own way of. You can set your own standard of how things work, how things run, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? You can educate and empower people, which is good and wonderful. So I do think, yeah, being financially smart, it kind of teaches you in ways you can analyse your financial situation, how you can place that, where you can place it. Um, Yeah, it just helps you being genuinely make better decisions you know
0: okay.
1: so I think I think it's a good thing I think we should educate ourselves a lot more you know
0: I, I totally agree with you and I think it would help more of us to practice group economics like the example you gave earlier I, I think there's something wonderful with you and your small circle to do with one another mm-hmm. uh, with the funding each other every month I, I think that's wonderful um so I sent all of my guests a 10-question survey pre-interview questionnaire, essentially is what it is. And one of your responses really stood out to me. Actually, um, the question was, if you could send yourself a message 10 years in the future about finances, what would that message be? And one of your responses, it says, it costs nothing to think like a millionaire. Could you expand on that? Uh, I, I, I really love that statement. No?
1: no.
0: Um, well, what were you thinking when you when you responded with that?
1: What was I thinking?
0: Yeah, cuz it sounds to me and correct me if I'm wrong cuz I'm interpreting your words, but you said it costs nothing to think like a millionaire. For me, it seems like it doesn't cost you much or it doesn't cost you literally anything to think to have an abundant thought process to have an abundant a mentality of abundance I'll put it that way and if you think of yourself as prospering you will be prosperous but that in and of itself doesn't cost you anything it's something that you can change literally today if you start to think I'm going to have this and I will accomplish that and I will do this that in and of itself that thought process is going to change your life and it was just interesting to to read that. Bingo. Oh, so so that that you agree with that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. cool. Yeah, I think we
1: have to. I think we have to think ahead. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if, you know, how do I make myself better? How do I become what I want to become? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I think a lot of us want to do well. You know but we beat ourselves with where we are Mm. you you know what i mean like Mm. we when presented we say opportunities sometimes we just don't take it up or we don't create opportunities for ourselves Mm. and that's i think that's where i was with that so uh, think big think large and think how you're going to get there do you know what i mean sometimes just thinking and do something about it so that you can actually get there Mm -hmm. so a lot of us do think oh i want to become even just that statement i want to become a millionaire but what are you doing thinking is just not enough Yeah. yeah to become a millionaire you know think put it in action take opportunities you know um that come just
0: I th- act. I think you've summed up this session really well because we're coming to the end and yeah. that's an excellent conclusion. Think big. Think large. Act. Execute. Follow through. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, Jane, I want to say thank you for being a guest on A Distinct Lens Podcast. It was a pleasure to interview you and I hope our listeners have enjoyed listening as much as I have.
1: Mm. Thanks for having me. You're
0: welcome.